This is the Baymont Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we, including you, our listeners, continue to hone our hermeneutical prowess in the realm of apocalyptic literature, taking a look at the letter to Smyrna and asking, what is the context? Yeah. Speaking of apocalyptic literature, we did all that talk about it two episodes ago, and we never reminded ourselves of what the definition that's, that's going way back to session two, Brent. Do you happen to remember what the definition of apocalyptic literature was? Uh, something about hope. Yeah. Hmm. I can't remember exactly what it was. Apocalyptic literature is the use of pictures and images to convey a message of hope to... The present time. The present day. Absolutely. Apocalyptic literature is used to use pictures and images to convey a message of hope to the present day. So we're going to continue to learn about these principles for reading an apocalyptic book like Revelation in Context. I am committed to not overwhelming you with all the possible content, because there's a lot of possible content here. But instead, there's a method to our madness. We're trying to teach you how to engage the book of Revelation, not just give you all the content and all the answers and all the little treasures and everything that's in there. We're trying to actually teach you how to engage the book. So we have pointed you towards uh, quite a healthy list of sources that first Revelation episode, titled A Book for Its Time. Um, we have pointed you towards a bunch of sources to help you uh, go further and deeper in your specific studies. And I want to take a few more steps into this hermeneutic, just a few more, not the whole thing. Just take a couple more baby steps in learning and stretching to understand what John is trying to accomplish in this book. There are many other details that those familiar with this understanding would add to the conversation. If you, like if you already got it, if you already know how to read Revelation, there's all kinds of stuff we're missing. I get that. But I want to continue building so that we can keep the greatest amount of our readers with us. Like there's, I want to go down to a lowest common denom- denominator and try to teach, teach those who don't know how to engage the book because that group is large. There's a lot of us. So um, just baby steps. Last uh, podcast was a little short one, right, Brent? Not long? Not long at all. A 15-minute discussion. We're going to have another short one today, probably. Just little baby steps trying to introduce a brand new idea without overwhelming us and then distracting us and pulling us off into the weeds. We're going to introduce you to a format that I'm going to use in the letters to the seven churches and even other parts of Revelation. I want to give you some of the context So step number one of this format is to look at context. Context is everything. Context is everything. So I want to look at the context of this particular geographical location of Smyrna in the first century, see if it impacts the way that we read the letter. So Smyrna received its name from one of the largest exports, which was myrrh, Smyrna, myrrh. Used for many things, but predominantly in the preparation of dead bodies. You might remember the uh, three gifts of the Magi, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh. They probably didn't get it from Smyrna, but who knows? It would have been a place where they could have. Preparation of dead bodies, myrrh was used in. Smyrna was infatuated with death, maybe because it was their main export, and they just thought about it more, or, or who knows why. We just find more writing, more infatuation, more focus on death in Smyrna than the typical city. Combine this infatuation with the center of medicine and the focus on science, quote-unquote, at this point in history, uh, science is largely superstition mixed with some science. <laughs> 
Uh, great description. I cracked myself up. And you also find a large Roman cult following around the different pagan myths that connected beliefs about resurrection. Uh, kind of a higher concentration in Smyrna than anywhere else. Yeah, I was reading a little bit of history on Smyrna, and uh, apparently at some point they needed some help from Rome. And to sort of form a bond with Rome, they created a, a cult to the city of Rome and created the goddess Roma. Oh, excellent. Okay. Very interesting. Huh. I have all kinds of other questions that are probably until I find answers inappropriate for this podcast, but now I'm going to go find out. <laughs> Roma. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. So Smyrna's more... a very old city. It is. It's, uh, a, it's a port city. Yep. So it's, it's a very natural place to put a city in the ancient world. It had been around for a very long time. Uh, before before Rome came around. And it's still a port city. I fly into Izmir. Izmir is the current name in Turkey for Smyrna. Izmir. Smyrna. And uh, the ruins of Smyrna are actually just right smack dab in the center of the city, right there on the coast. What's left of them? Anyway, there's not much there at all. We, we don't go to the ruins on the trip. It's an option on my itinerary. I kind of have it in my back pocket, but I have never made it on any of my trips yet. I have been there, but not necessarily worth the time. I hate to make that call for people, but typically not. There, there's well, there's other places. To there's go. better places to go. Spend your time. Oh, yeah. So that's 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 Smyrna. More more than most places in Rome, Smyrna talked at length about death and resurrection. Smyrna was yet another port harbor. Brent just pointed out in the Roman Empire that made for fantastic trade. While this is true for many of the cities we study, what was unusual about Smyrna was its absolute allegiance to the empire and Rome in a way not seen throughout the rest of the empire. You even talked about it in the way they created cults to honor that connection. After Alexander the Great conquered Sardis, Smyrna became the cultural center of Asia. This is going way back before Ephesus really sees its day. It was more Smyrna in the ancient world. Smyrna became the cultural center of Asia. In fact, in the 3rd century BC, Smyrna formed a more formal relationship with Rome as Antiochus from Syria was threatening to attack. I wonder if this is related to the cult that you referenced. This relationship was fostered all throughout the rising of the Roman Empire. What this probably means is that supported by other details in history and the letter to Smyrna, by the way, is that believers, especially Gentile believers in Smyrna, were persecuted more than the average believer elsewhere in Asia. Doing commerce in a place like Smyrna would have been incredibly difficult if you did not affirm the worship of the emperor, leading to a life of struggle and of poverty. So there are going to be some cities we look at, Brent, that are kind of disconnected with the whole... Caesar, 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 emperor worship, Caesar is God, Caesar is God, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Like that whole Caesar obsession is in some cities, eh, not quite as thick, but in some cities, very, very dominant. And Smyrna is one of those cities. So Smyrna was also known for a Jewish contingent that did not accept the inclusion of the Gentiles. I'm going to say that again. Smyrna was also known for a Jewish contingent is that the right word? Contingent? Contingency? Sure. Yeah, all right. Contingent that did not accept the inclusion of the Gentiles. Having written to Rome, to, which, by the way, means that most Jewish assemblies did recognize an inclusion of the Gentiles. And that was actually the dominant experience. When you don't find that, it's an odd exception. Especially odd being like a, a major Gentile city. 
like geographically, you've got uh, kind of along the coast, you have Pergamum, Smyrna, and Ephesus. And so those are going to be like huge cities, like very important yep. for trade, lots yep. of, you know, traffic in and out from Absolutely. all sorts of people all over the place. And then inland, you have Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, not necessarily small cities right. because of that, but just they're going to be less, there's not going to be as much traffic through them. Right. Absolutely. And it's going to affect the culture that they have and the connection they have with the empire. Absolutely. So having written to Rome, these Jews in Smyrna, having written to Rome to declare that these Gentile converts were not true Jews, had thrown the Gentile converts under the Roman bus and excluded them from the Jewish exception that allowed them to not have to bow the knee to Caesar as God. So as we've looked at before, this would not have been a normal experience throughout Asia and much of Asia Minor, but appears to be the case in Smyrna. Throughout history, ancient historians use the imagery of crowns when writing about Smyrna. One historian, Apollonius, referred to Smyrna's city center as the crown of porticos. These references lead some scholars to think that Smyrna may have made use of the Greco-Roman crowns being uh, uh, the Greco-Roman crowns in a in a unique way, being larger and more sophisticated of a city. Unlike some of the more blue-collar cities that we will study, Smyrna would have celebrated much wealth and enjoyed the benefits of the Roman class system. One of the ways that these classes were distinguished was by their use of crowns. Every, everything from a Greek crown wreath to a crown of bronze, a crown of silver, or even gold would have been a way of setting yourself apart. So just a few items of cultural context under our belt— Let's go to the letter to Smyrna in Revelation 2 and see what we notice in the writing. Brent, read us the letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. To the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. So let's just go through here. Let's uh, let's look at some lines. Let's just take them in order here through uh, your letter. Not your letter, but the letter you just read. Uh, you Who died and came to life again is one of the first references we see. An obvious reference to Smyrna's infatuation with what, Brent? With uh, resurrection and death. Yep, death and resurrection. Tying it back to the person of Jesus. Brilliantly done, John. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, how about this one? I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. What do you connect there, Brent? That's a great question. All right. Well, here we see a reference maybe to the struggling believers persecuted by Rome and others, finding it hard to make day to day in a world that doesn't appreciate the way they worship. If they're not going to bow the knee to Caesar, commerce, economic interaction, all that kind of stuff would have been a little bit trickier. So they suffer from poverty and yet they're rich spiritually. All I right. see. Okay. Very tricky. All right. Yeah. 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 How about let's go to the. Uh, uh, the next one, next line, next sentence says this phrase, those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. 
Um, this is definitely not a blanket statement about Judaism. I've heard that a million times. That's ridiculous. But it's a direct reference to the group of Jews who have rejected the Gentile converts. And I love the play because what the what this group is telling Rome is that what? What, what was this group telling Rome? They say, uh, we're the Jews and, and the others are not. Right. And so Paul spins it and says, actually, because you're not welcoming Gentiles, you're not Jews. Mm, John spins it. Ah, did I say Paul? Yeah. <laughs> I said that because my next comment was going to be how adamant that Paul was about that. If we go back to like Romans and those letters. And if you remember all those remezes that we talked about, uh, Brent, especially in... Uh, I think of that really long podcast episode we had on predestination and we talked about the potter and all these people being accepted and loved by God and the Gentiles and all this stuff being in. And Paul kept using all these remesses to say the very essence of being Jewish is to be a light to the Gentiles. The very essence of what it means to be a Jew is to be a blessing to all nations. And so this isn't just an idea from John, but it's also an idea we found all throughout Pauline thought throughout the New Testament. And I feel like this uh, synagogue of Satan reference is perhaps John calling back to uh, when Jesus called Peter Satan, when Peter was working against uh, the the way the kingdom was moving. Oh, sure. And if is you know if these Jews are are shutting others out, if they're working against yep. what the kingdom is doing in in that same way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think of uh, let's see, maybe the, in the next sentence. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Now, not that I think that this is what necessarily John is referencing, because of where I date the letter, but you pointed out, as we were studying Smyrna earlier, Brent, who was the bishop to Smyrna? Polycarp. Now, how about, go ahead and Google me the death. What's, what, year, what is the year of Polycarp's death? 154, I believe. 154. So the irony here, obviously, I don't believe John is referencing this in his book. I don't believe he's trying to tell the future or anything like that. But kind of the ironic prophetic twist here is what's going to happen in Smyrna later. I mean, that famous story, somebody could do a Google search on the story of Polycarp's martyrdom. Because he, uh, you know, he he has quite the inspiring story of that. Polycarp actually died in 156. 156. He was the bishop of Smyrna, and uh-huh. he was an apostle, or he was a disciple rather of John. Of right? John, absolutely. This, uh, if you take my stance, the same John writing this letter here. So again, I don't mean ironic in a funny or trivial way. I mean like the deep, meaningful. It's going to be John's disciple who will actually end up suffering some of these same persecutions as the bishop to this very city. What is the 10 days about? Is that is there like a, some sort of like standard sentence for a particular thing that, that he'd be referencing? So I think here, especially in apocalyptic literature, where we're using pictures and images, I think we're going to go back to that whole Jewish numerology stuff that we've talked about before. Not that it's going to work with every single number, or I hate to overextend that, but apocalyptic literature is one place where gematria, Jewish numerology, it thrives because of its ability to tell a story. And so 10 seems to be this 7 plus 3, this completeness, you are going to suffer, is there an allusion to community? You're going to suffer with community. Um, You're going to suffer in the midst of community, but you are going to completely suffer. There will be a completeness to your suffering. Um, multiples of ten, thousands, completeness. There's going to be, uh, by the time we're done with, with Revelation, there's going to be a reference to the millennium, the millennia, um, and and the thousand years. And, and it represents a period of time. 
So I think that's your 10 reference there. Is a, I don't know if I want to say allegorical, but a, definitely a, a symbolic image-driven reference. Uh, after all that talk about um, persecution, uh, this phrase, I will give you life as your victor's crown. What do you hear there, Brent? Kind of obvious. What did we say what was our reference to Smyrna? Uh, what were you talking about? You were talking about crowns earlier? Uh-huh. Yep. I don't remember what you said. Well, there you go. Crowns. They like crowns. They do like crowns. Some scholars have suggested anyway. I don't know how, I don't know how heavy we can make that, how directly we can make that statement. But some scholars have suggested that there's an unusual reference to crowns in references to Smyrna. So did they have some kind of infatuation with crowns? Who knows? And then, and then how about this? We'll not be hurt at all by the second death to a place infatuated with death and resurrection. John points out that there is a second death they ought to be thinking about. Not the one that they're so infatuated with, but some other death. However, those believers who persevere to the end will find the reward that they have been placing their hope in. So again, what we end up finding is that these letters in Revelation are certainly not, at least primarily, some coded reference to the future and the end of days, but are very fitting messages of encouragement to their original recipients. Does Ephesus and Smyrna, we've looked at two letters so far, Brent, do those letters make sense in their current context? In in the context of the time it was written? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, do you think they got those letters and were like, oh, what is he talking about? No, they, they knew exactly what was going on. They weren't looking into the future as they read them? Nope. Now, I wonder how much of the context of other cities would be known, like like they're reading yeah. the letter in Ephesus, and obviously they get their own their own context. Are they going to understand the context of Smyrna and Pergamum and the other cities as much? Yeah, we talked about that under Ray when we studied in Turkey quite a bit. Um, and there's a ton of just really basic, it not, doesn't take rocket scientists to come up with some theories about how the, that kind of stuff would have operated. How much did just people know culturally in general? Yeah, not quite like we would know today with the internet, but it would have been pretty well known. The other thing that people have pointed out is this letter gets delivered by a, a, a carrier from the cities that just came before. But these are probably carriers that are actually, they've been around culture they know what's going on in these cities. They are travelers. They're helping to fill in the blanks. Many other scholars have pointed out, you almost always have somebody from Ephesus in the room. You almost always have somebody that's visiting from Thyatira. I don't know if that, how again, how much stock we can put in that. But The cities are fairly close geographically, so it, they are. it wouldn't be a surprise to yes. have uh, visitors. And this is on that typical, not just postal route, but it's the postal route because it's the common traveling route. So, absolutely. So yeah, this, this made sense to their original recipients in their present day. To this end, we continue to realize that Revelation is fitting the mold for apocalyptic literature and its ability to use pictures, can you say it, Brent? Pictures and images to convey hope to our present time. Absolutely. And not necessarily even our present time as much as their, their present, present time. Their present time, right, Absolutely. Yes. To the present day for those original recipients. There you go. That's our conversation on... Smyrna. All right. Uh, if you have any questions about the show, you can go to BamaDiscipleship.com. You can get a hold of me or Marty there. Uh, you can find... Uh, uh, be sure to check out the show notes from uh, 174 where we have all those references to books. If you want to study more about the context and the history of Smyrna, you're going to find uh, information there in those in those uh, books we linked. So check that out. And thanks for joining us on the Bama Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye.